Good afternoon, listeners, and welcome back to the Total Football Analysis Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scully, and we've yet another very exciting episode for you all today. The majority of Europe's leagues have now taken their, their annual break during the summer. This is the time of year when, when many clubs change managers, you know, different members of the coaching staff, they look to bring in new players to, to fit in with the philosophy. This has been particularly true in the, in the Belgian Pro League, where there's been two major managerial changes. Alfred Schroeder has been appointed as Eric Ten Hag's replacement at Ajax. And Vincent Company has been appointed as the new Burnley manager, which is a very intriguing managerial appointment. On the podcast today, I'm very delighted to bring you Ben Jackson from the, the Belgian Football Podcast, a wonderful podcast. If you haven't listened to it, it's absolutely superb for all your, your Belgian football needs. Ben, how was your summer so far? Yeah, yeah, thanks, Adam. Yeah, it's been, it's been all right. Um, wishing it was a bit hotter, not going to lie. Kind of disappointed in the weather at the moment. But yeah, no, it's been... It's been nice to kind of chill out, relax a bit. And what then, do you yeah, do as your break from, from watching football? Because, was, I mean, the Belgian league is so game-heavy. Yeah, it's been nice to kind of have that little bit of a break. But then there's every, there's so much happening. Like All the clubs have changed. All the top four have changed their manager. Mm. All, like, kind of the rest of the teams all changing managers. So it's like, you can't really take your eye off it. Otherwise, yeah. you come back in months and you have no idea what's going on. Well, of course, you know, Club Rugger, the champions, have changed their manager as well. And Alfred Schroeder has gone to... Ajax, Eric Ten Hag moved to Manchester United, of course, and obviously he has a, a huge task at hand there. But talk to us a bit. So, which Schroeder will, I want to kind of get to know the man and the, the, the tactics and things of that, his philosophy, you know, how his, how his ideology about football has, has developed over time. But I want to talk to you about the last six months, of course. He took over in January from Philip Clement, who went to, to Monaco. So, talk to us about when he came in and then Royal Union Sanguilas were, I think they were still talking of the, the, the main stands, of course, then when it went to the playoffs, Club Rugger managed to take off. So talk to us about what changes he made, how his team were playing. Obviously, you watched so many of Club Rugger's games. Yeah, so, yeah, you're right. Union were top of the league at the time. So he kind of came in with... He took over basically the best squad in Belgium at the time. Like Union were top of the league and they were playing some fantastic football and they were kind of the story of the season. And he comes in to take over this team that I can't, they kind of got a little bit stale under Clermont. Like Clermont, the fantastic manager back-to-back league titles, um, a really, really quality manager in, in, within Club Bruges. But then he just felt like the style was stale, the kind of, the approach was a little bit stale. It did need a little bit of reinvigoration. And that's what Schroeder did, to be fair to him. He came in, switched around, brought in kind of like the 3-5-2 as kind of the standard formation. Um, wasn't afraid to drop some big-name players. Like, Clermont had dropped Rude Vormer and there was kind of rumours maybe he's going to come back into the play under Schroeder, but he was like, no, that's not, He's not kind of the player I want to put in the position that I've got. He was much happier putting like Van Aken and Matt Ritz. Um, Ritz, who under him was just a goal-scoring machine from midfield, which we hadn't seen from him before. Um, and he kind of was happy sticking Dennis Adoy, who he brought in, they brought in in January. He quite liked having him in kind of a central area or Belanza, just one kind of like a more defensive, solid central midfielder. Um, and then to up front, like I said, he wasn't afraid to drop key players like Noah Lang as well. Um, was really hard to fit him into the system because Noah Lang had kind of played more on the left side of a 4-3-3 um, under Clermont, but within the 3-5-2, he, did, he didn't really fit in terms of the five across the middle because his defensive work rate wasn't as good. They'd brought in uh, Tejan Buchanan in January, who just seemed to fit that position a little bit better. They also have Edward Sobol, um, who also plays that position. He was like, he's normally a left back, but he fitted in kind of the left midfield spot. 
And he also brought in uh, Sargis Adamian, who he had before at Hoffenheim, I believe. Um, so he trusted him. I wasn't too sure about that one as a signing. I didn't think Adamian was kind of had enough quality uh, for the league. Like he did score some goals and his kind of pressing and work rate was, I think, what Shaw would have liked. And again, he put him into the two where Lang would have been kind of alongside Charles de Kessler, who again has, a fan- has had a fantastic season. He's been one of the kind of standout players of the season. Um, but I think kind of the Adamian signing is kind of an indication of the tactics and style he wants to play in the sense that he likes his strikers to press and push on. So Bazdos was just kind of, he wasn't playing because he's not going to fit that system. The Ketelar's more mobile than Bazdos. He's tall, he can win headers and he can kind of do the dirty work that Bazdos could have done, but he's more mobile. He's, he's just a better footballer all round. Um, and then like I've already mentioned Buchanan and on the other wing he had, he brought in Scott Olsen um, from Italy who was just, He's just quality. He was absolute quality. So he just had the quality in all the right positions, and then he could fit them into that formation that he had because he didn't. He didn't really have much time to kind of teach the side how to play his style of football. It was kind of like, right, I've come in. I'm well. I want to play my three-five-two. These players fit that system. Eventually, Noah Lang got back in the side, and I think that's quite a good sign for Noah Lang that he could adapt to Schroeder's kind of philosophy and tactics in that sense. Um, but it was definitely like a marked change from, from Clermont. He definitely brought in the 3 5 changed kind of the style and the, temp, the tempo just felt a little better. It just kind of felt a little less stale. Vanakan looked a lot better mm-hmm. in that in that position as well, kind of having Balanta or, or Doi kind of doing his dirty work. He could just be that kind of a free-flowing attacking player. Um, it's just a shame that we only got six months of it. I'd love to have seen him kind of have the summer to kind of bring some more players in to fit the system and then have a go into kind of the Champions League as well and see like, right, does his style of play, it's been good in Belgium, but can he take it into Europe? And he, he has a bit of a history with Ten Hag, of course. He replaced Ten Hag as Steve McLaren's assistant manager back in 2009, through, well, until McLaren obviously left the club, I think it was 2014. He worked as his assistant manager, and then he's worked under a couple of fantastic coaches, I think it's fair to say, Julian Nagelsmann at Hoffenheim. He's worked under Ronald Koeman at Barcelona as well, and then Ten Hag prior to that also at Ajax. You know, do you think it's going to be quite a smooth transition to get him, you know, when he takes over Ajax and the way they play from Ten Hag's football? Do you think it is quite a smooth transition? Is it a good appointment for Ajax? Yeah, I think it'll be, I think they'll be fine in terms of transition. Like like you said, he knows the club. He spent a couple of years at 20, so he knows the Dutch league very well. But Tess as well, he was assistant manager there, um, played a lot in the Dutch league. Um, and she played for, I don't think he ever played for Ajax. I think it's PSV, Feyenoord and that sort of the like. But I think, I think it will be a smooth transition. And I think as well, it was the moment that there was interest that you, you knew he was going to go. Like it was just, it was too, it's Ajax, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I, obviously I'm biased like towards Belgian football. I think Club Bruges are a fantastic club, they're a big club, but it's not Ajax. Like this is one of the best kind of schools of football. And it's like, like as he's been an assistant under Ten Hag, I think he'll, he'll definitely keep some continuity, but I think he'll still try and tweak things a little bit just because, I think every manager has to do that in terms of their systems and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think he's going to do well. I think it's just they've, they've got such a good production line of players and kind of he'll be able to, I think he'll be able to play as 3 5 2 in that, in that league quite easily because it's quite similar to the Belgian, the Dutch league. Um, my interest to see again is kind of seeing what he does in Europe um, yeah. because we know that Bikes have obviously been fantastic in Europe over the last couple of years under Ten Hag. Is it, it's going to be kind of like, but that's kind of the test of that squad, isn't it? Is it like how much of it was Ten Hag, how much was the squad? This is kind of Sawyer's chance to say, like, look, I'm I'm as good as Ten Hag. I've, 
I can do what he did with this squad. Maybe I can push them one further. Not sure if he'll be able to do that, but I do think he's going to do a pretty decent job. I think it just seemed right when they came in for him. It just made a lot of sense, I think, in terms of that transition of manager. I think the, one of the major difficulties he, he may face is the fact that, I mean, Ajax are, their players have been linked with every club under the sun. I mean, you've seen Urien Timbers reportedly going to Manchester United. Well, now he's apparently staying because Louis van Gaal stuck his neck in and, you know, um, Lissandra Martinez as well. I mean, there's several players. Sebastian Haller is reportedly moving now too. So he might have um, a bit of a transition in terms of bringing new personnel. Do you think there's anyone from Club Rouge that he could bring in? The Catalan, of course, kind of sticks out straight away because I, I, from the games I've watched them, he was absolutely sinned and he stuck out like a sore thumb. He was a, a wonderful footballer. Yeah, I don't, Honestly, I don't think um, the Ketelaar is going to get would go across there. I think if he's going to go, it's like Milan are really interested. I mm-hmm. think it will be to to one of the top five leagues, or the top top two, top three. Um, yeah, he's he's for me. You look at him and you're just like, I don't know how you're as good as you are. What you do, like he just look at me like the stature of him and everything, like quite skinny, lanky yeah. kind of guy, but great on the ball, great with his head as well. Like he's an mm-hmm. underrated header of the football. So I don't think. I just don't feel like it's a big enough jump for some of these club rouge, like the talented, talented players to make that move to Ajax. Maybe some of the other players, kind of like the other squad players, like, I don't know. It's just really tough to think that maybe someone like Matt Ritz, but I don't think, again, I don't think Matt Ritz would make that move. Um, I don't know if he's at the level that Ajax wants um, in terms of that. And again, someone like Noah Lang, I don't think would... Scott Olsen, if he like tries to get him out of out of there, but he seems quite happy to have, to have moved across to Belgium. Clinton Matter is always always the one that's linked with. He was linked with Monaco when Clermont left. Seeing links of him with Ajax when Shaw just left. It's like player, managers come in, they manage Clinton Matter, and they're like, oh, I just want to bring this player with me because um, he fits his system so well in terms of he can play right centre back. He's absolutely lightning quick, and he's a really good defender in terms of like he reads the game well. So he's not just kind of one of those, oh, he's quick, so he can make up for his mistakes. It's like he doesn't really make mistakes, but when he does, he can make up for it with his speed. So I'd love to see someone like him move into Ajax and kind of play more Champions League football and get into the deep stages, because I think he's just been one of the best defenders in Belgium for ages now. And he suits the style of play that that Schroeder wants to play. But we've heard these rumours of Clinton Matter following these managers, and he, he didn't go to Monaco, um, as far as I know, unless it's changed between the time we, we record this and the time it goes out, I don't think that's going to happen. It, it's certainly um, a very interesting point because I, with the fullest respect to Schroeder, I think it's fair to say he's kind of underwhelming at several clubs he's been with. I mean, Hoffenheim especially, he was sacked because they were on quite a, a poor run of form. So it's definitely one to keep an eye out. He did so well with Club Rouge, of course. But I wanted to ask you, how do you think Club Rouge are going to fare now that he's gone? Of course, he was only there for six months. So it's, it's hard to say he made like a massive impact in the club because they won the league title, which is wonderful. So how do you think he's going to, they're going to fare now, you know, life after Schroeder with the new manager, of course, who's in charge? Yeah, it, you know, it's into what you said, because like you said with um, the Hoffenheim one, that was kind of my memory of Schroeder. So when they appointed him, I was like, oh, I don't really get it. <laughs> like, I've, I've didn't rate him much at Hoffenheim. Like, what's he, what's he going to do? But he was good, but... The thing would win if you take the players out of the equation, they don't win the league as well. So it's kind of like, yeah. mm, like they were the best team. He even said that himself. He was like, if we win the league, we're the best team in the playoffs. He's like, it's not because we've been the best team all season. Um, it's interesting because they've obviously they've gone internal. Um, I think it's Carl Huskins they've yeah. like, just promoted from within. So kind of, I do like that. Like it's nice to see kind of rewarding these like kind of 
managers and assistant managers. Um, it just depends on all these players at least. Like if the Ketela, Lang kind of go, it's like wh- who are they going to do? Where the, how are they going to replace them? Like they've signed a couple of of young, like I think they signed a striker from um, from Barcelona. So it's going to be interesting to see how he does coming into the J- league. Ferran Jutley, yeah, he's scored a couple of goals for Barcelona. He mainly played for Barcelona B, but it is six million, I think, six million euros. Yeah. There. At the minute, so it's yes. quite a big commitment from them, but they've done it. Like last year, they signed Kamal Soa from Leicester. Uh, he then went out on loan. They spent about eight million on him, and he yeah. went out on loan. Mwasa from from Sadren, they brought him in and didn't really work there either. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. They, they last year they lost a couple of players and managed to still still be good enough to win the league. But if Lang and Deket- if De Ketelaar goes, especially, I think Lang's definitely gone. Um, but De Ketelaar goes, and yeah, I'd be kind of. I think the league will be more open, uh, which is always good for us. Like yeah, Newcastle was watching it, um, but be, I'm interested as well to see if they move away, go back to kind of like a, a four at the back, and go like four three three, or if they stick with this three five two that did work. Um, but I guess it just depends on the players they bring in, I guess. Well, it's definitely an interesting appointment, but my personal favourite is as we'll move on to now. Vincent Company has gone from Anderlecht to Burnley in the Premier League. He's the first manager to manage Burnley outside the British Isles. Which I read up, which is phenomenal. He's the first Belgian manager in England, which is very interesting. You know, I, I, I think it's quite an easy comparison. I don't want to, I don't want to be lazy when I'm I'm talking here by saying about the, the similarities with Pep Guardiola. I want to know the differences with Pep Guardiola. I think that's probably the more interesting question to ask. So talk to us about how Andalek play and kind of the differences you see with Pep. Yes, I think company's quite rigid. I guess I'd describe him as in terms of it's going to be four four two, which is quite. I want it's like kind of like Burnley four four two, like you're like of course it's going to be four four two, but it's going to be a very different four four two. Um, he likes attacking fullbacks, so that's very similar to Pep. He likes his fullbacks kind of like like bombing on, and he likes kind of not quite wingers attacking midfielders. He'll stick out wide, then they tuck in to allow these fullbacks to bomb on. Um, especially Sergio Gomez has been like insane on the uh, from left back but then you'd have like one of the kind of more attacking players would slot in and it just it just worked really well but he got out coached quite a few times uh by the big teams but well not by the big teams by the more experienced managers um Hein van Heisenberg of Ghent out coached him every single time um Felisa Mazu who's now replaced him at Anderlecht for Union out coached him he just seems to struggle when he came up against the back three uh, these guys were playing three five twos or three four one two, I think it was under for Heisenberg, and he he didn't really adapt his style. It was like we're just going to play four four two, we're going to play possession, and on sixty minutes I'm going to take Xerxes off and I'm going to put on Benito Raman, and it was every single time it's like I'm taking this player off, I'm bringing on this player to the point where like you'd watch a game of Anderlecht and you'd be like, well I know he's going to take Xerxes off, even if they're like two one down and they need a goal and he's their best striker, he's coming off, Raman's going on. Um, so I, I think he's if he does doesn't kind of add a little bit more flexibility in that sense, I think he's going to struggle in the championship because in Belgium there were so many games where he could just play teams off the park and they play fantastic football. Like they move the ball really well. Um, he needs his keeper to be good with his feet because Van Kronberger wasn't so great with his feet. And it's kind of like in that instance, Pep would have just been like, well, I'm just going to change and bring in a keeper that's good with his feet. Company didn't really have that luxury, and Glenn Crumble was like he was a very good shot stopper and kept them in games. So he couldn't really do that, but yeah, I think he, he's got to show some tactical flexibility that I think someone like Pep would show um, in these situations. And also, I guess what Pep has over someone like Company, he's had like the kind of the depth of resources that Company hasn't had 
Um, but I think if I'm a Burnley fan, I'd be excited in terms of the young players that you've got. If you've got talented youngsters in the like academy or the youth teams, they'll get game time because for him, age isn't really an issue. It's if you're good enough to play, you're going to play and you'll get your experience on the pitch. Um, we saw at the back end of the season that one of the Norwegian youth players, Arnstad, just came in for a couple of the big playoff games and he was incredible. Uh, he was a really, really good player. So definitely, definitely one to watch out for there. But the company was happy to back him. He dropped Alston, Swedish international, brought in Kana, uh, one of the youth players from Anderlecht, slotted him in and was just like, he trusts the young players to play. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be, a, you're going to see the 4-4-2, but it's going to be very possession-based. Wingers are going to be important for tucking in and fullbacks are going to be important for getting up the pitch. Um, and the two strikers have got to be mobile because he likes them to press and run the channels as well. So I'm really interested to see how it works, to be honest. I think it's a really interesting appointment. Like you said, another, it's a young Belgian manager in the, in the championship. Like what a great kind of breeding ground and tough kind of project for him. I think obviously, you know, we love talking about tactics and analysis, but I wanted to ask you, a very redundant question. Do you think he's mental? Because <laughs> no. when you when you look at Bourne and you look what happened, and of, of course they, they played a very, well, the same way for the last decade under Sean Deutsch and then even under Michael Jackson when he took over at the interim boss. They didn't really change how they played. He's coming in now. They've let a load of force team members go. Some really experienced guys. I mean, James Sarkovsky, I think, is going to Everton, if I'm not mistaken. There's, a, there's several force team players set to leave. Um, that have already been released, obviously, when, when when the month ends. And he's not really proven himself as a manager in terms of, I mean, they, they finished fourth and third, I think, over the last two seasons on the left in, in the um, the Belgian Pro League. And now he's jumping ship to a, a Burnley side that are just relegated, that are losing all their players, that have, that he's trying to completely overhaul the style of play. I mean, it seems mental. Yeah, I think there's quite a few random factors. Uh, involved. One thing is that his family's still based in Manchester, I believe. So it's kind of like there's that connection. Um, also, if I didn't think he'd leave Anderlecht, if I'm honest, I thought he would stay until he had a good shot at the title. Um, because they financially, they've been in a complete mess, and he's had to kind of work with very restricted budgets, very restricted player incomes. Like they could only really loan players in, and there wasn't much continuity. So I thought he was doing a very good job, and he got to the cup final, and he just needed to kind of tactically evolve himself to be able to like change within games and I thought he'd be fine but then it seemed like expectations at Anderlecht were very different to how he viewed where the club was going and there seemed to be some sort of disagreement between him and the board uh, much to the, the fans seemed pretty upset like some of them were kind of happy he's gone but a lot of them are quite upset that he's not going to be around because he's obviously like a, a massive figure within Anderlecht so it's yeah I didn't think he'd go even when I saw that and it's, even when they were in the Premier League I thought there's no way he's going to go. I just don't think it's the right job for him. It just doesn't seem like the right fit. Um, I thought he'd wait it out and kind of go at a later date. But again, it's kind of like we were talking on our podcast about well, when do you go? Do you wait? If you wait too long, your stock completely drop and you'll never get these opportunities again. So I think maybe he sees it as like, right, we've got kind of like parachute payments. The squad's been cleared out. I could bring some players in. and A lot really of debt though as well, which is of course people keep I think the sixty million pounds worth of debt, which is, I mean, for me, as I said, I think he's nuts. I think he's genuinely nuts mm. taking a job like that. But I'm, I'm genuinely curious, and I can't wait to see how he fares. Can't wait to see how they play, how he evolves them tactically from such a very, um, you know, direct football or a route one football team of for for, for better words mm. to a more possession based style of of play. 
I want to ask you though as well, Felice Mazu, he is now, of course, the the new Anderlecht manager. I was good when they didn't win the league this season, Union, because he was the Union manager and they didn't win the league. And I was good because it seemed it seemed at one stage like they were going to win it genuinely. I mean, they were, they were flying in the league. Talk to us about how Anderlecht, the differences of how they're going to play from a tactical perspective. And obviously, of course, how Union did play under him. Yeah, I mean, I was glad they didn't win the league. They were such a good team to watch. Um, we're, we're, we're neutral on the podcast, but there's just like, yeah, there's, there's stories that happen within the league that you're like, this would be such a good story. Um, yeah, so he, like I said, he, he outcoached company so many times every single time this season. And he, if he comes in and changes the style, it'll be to a 3 5 2, kind of like with Schroeder. Like, that's kind of been the best formation in Belgium this season has been at 3-5-2 or the Van Heisenberg 3-4-1-2 um, that he plays a kind of different iterations of that. So I think he can he can play that system at Anderlecht. I think if, if they keep Sergio Gomez, he's just like perfect for the system that um, Mazzi wants to play because he had uh, Neukoop and Lapusan playing kind of as like the wide men in the five. Um, Neukoop was a right back converted into this right midfield position, whereas Lapu Sam was kind of like a left winger converted into a left midfield position. But they just had so much energy going up and down. They worked hard defensively, they worked hard going forward, and that's something I see Gomez doing. Right wing is a little bit more difficult, and I think that's where it's going to be interesting to see what he does with the likes of Yari Bashar and Leo Afai of Arnstad, as I mentioned before. Like these players that are kind of, they're not really wingers, they're more kind of attacking midfielders who kind of drift around the kind of like wide spaces. So I don't really know how they would fit into his 3-5-2. Um, strikers as well. They've only got Benito Raman on the books at the moment. Um, so he can't play two unless he converts Vassal into a striker. Or Muzu, we've seen sometimes play striker, but he's more of a left winger for me. Uh, he's kind of the only real out-and-out winger, but I don't know if he's got the defensive work rate that Mazu wants. But in Union, he cultivated a very good kind of team ethic, team ethos, team kind of bonding that kind of dragged them through it. But Strikers as well, it's, it's really, really weird because you'd think going from a club, no offence to them, the size of Union, who are reasonably historic, but they're not big, to Anderlecht, but his strikers at Union were 10 times better than his strikers mm-hmm. are going to be at Anderlecht, like Dante Van Zier and Dennis Undab, Undab obviously off to Brighton, which I'm really excited to see, yeah. um, just because I'm local to the area, so I might go try and catch a game to kind of just cheer for Undab, but yeah, it's it's going to be, I'm really interested to see it. Um, it kind of, I think it's left a bit of taste in a lot of, people's mouths that he's kind of left the yeah. one of the Brussels clubs to another Brussels club but it's I think it's kind of his last chance to be like that I can do it at a big club um and yeah it, they will change their tactics but I'm really interested to see how he does it with the best I just don't see how they fit into his system do you think Gundav plays for Brighton next season I think he starts like a little bit and I think if he doesn't hit the ground running I think he might be in trouble um but I think he, I think from what I've seen of him, I think he's got the mentality to stick it out. I think he he's kind of like a scrapper and he'll fight and he's worked his way up from the German third division into this like into this position. Yeah. So I think he could part of me thinks he's maybe the guy that will finally put their chances away. Um and that's all he has to do is just put the chances away that, that team always creates and he'll be fine. But and he needs to hit the ground running like most key players. And the left have been, you know, in the top four of the last two seasons, what signings do you think they need to make under Mazu now to kind of crack on and try and challenge um, Club Rouge, who, as we said, 
you know, trying to stay impartial, unfortunately, he did win the league this season. I think it would have been a beautiful, almost like a, a Leicester City story. It would have been amazing for them to win the league. And then, you know, it's almost as if if in 2015-16, Arsenal ended up winning the league, you'd kind of go off. Yeah, so, <laughs> exactly, exactly the same sort of thing. And I think even Club Bruges fans were like, it's a little yeah. bit like... <laughs> Yeah, they're like, yeah. We, we kind of don't mind losing to them. They were kind of like, because they don't like the playoffs anyway. So they're like, we've mm. got the playoffs and we lose the title. Like, we're fine with it because we get rid of the playoffs. But um, yeah, I think defense, defensively, they need to get centre-backs. Um, that's been their kind of Achilles heel for the last couple of seasons, really. Like, injuries to really exciting young centre-backs. Um, so Zeno Debas, he's been injured, uh, but he's a really exciting young centre-back. Um, Hannes Delcois as well, he's quite exciting centre-back. Um, but then they brought in a Magajan from Ajax. He wasn't very good, <laughs> to say the least. He didn't really, yeah, didn't really kind of improve them much at all. Um, Wesley Hoot's been good at the centre back, but again, he needs kind of like a little bit more experience next to him. Um, if they're going to play this 3 5 2, they need someone to stand on the right hand side. Um, I don't know if Mario is the man to do that. He's Sometimes he looks like almost world class, and sometimes he looks like the complete opposite. He's just mm-hmm. so inconsistent. Uh, and then strikers, they they have to get strikers in because they haven't got any kind of goal scores at the moment. Kwame's probably not going to come back. Xerxes, they want to bring back, but I just don't think. I feel like he's probably a little bit too ambitious, and he's probably too good for the Belgian league. Um, he just looks far too good in some games. Um, but apart from that, like in terms of like midfield, there, like central midfield, they're great. They've got really good players in there. They've got great kind of attacking players in Bashar and Amuzu. IL had like all these youngsters coming through. It's just fitting them into the system and getting some experienced players around them. But financially, they don't always have the means to do that at the moment. So last season, the Belgian Football Podcast released a, a brilliant uh, preview for the, the campaign, an upcoming preview. And I, I said to you before the podcast started that I was on Transfer Market and I was going through the, the player list as you were calling them out and managers to look out for on players and I loved it. Of course, you've also said to me that you'd be doing one again this season. But I want to get your early thoughts because I know it is early. What teams are you going to look out for next season from a tactical point of view? There already have been a couple of managerial changes. We already spoke about two, of course, and there'll be different players coming in now. So do you think there'll be any upset in the apple cart next season? And, and, and obviously it's a highly competitive league, but you know what? What kind of teams would you be looking out for next season? It's a real surprise package, I'll say. Yeah, so I think the team, like Anderlecht, obviously, uh, definitely be looking out for. Club Bruges with the new manager, like it's kind of the the entirety of the top four basically has changed their manager. So it's like all of them are teams that we look out for. Antwerp as well, because Antwerp, they're spending money. Um, They've been linked with these Mertens. Uh, Toby Alderweireld might be coming back and then they'll start their... They just bought Vincent Janssen from the end of the year as well. So they're kind of always on the radar to see what they do under a new manager. Um, obviously, I think it's Van Bommel they've got now. So it's, yeah, again, like, is he really up for it? Like, he's kind of like Schroeder where you're like, well, he's not really done it anywhere mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, but then they've got Mark Overmars at the top, which is massively controversial. And I don't agree with it, but he's good at what he does. So you kind of, you're looking at them to be one of the top teams this season. Um, outside of kind of the teams that finished in kind of the top playoffs, um, if people are interested in watching the Belgian football, uh, I would watch Charleroi um, next season. They're definitely a team under one of the Still brothers who looked far 
better than what we expected them to be. He completely changed them from being this quite turgid defensive team into a free-flowing attacking team that were really exciting to watch. Again, they're playing the 3-5-2 or the 3-4-1-2 that they were playing. Um, but they're definitely a team to really look out for. And then uh, Genk, another team they just bought in, uh, Mecklen's manager, Volta uh, Branken, who is a quality, quality manager, plays really exciting attacking football and Part of me thinking he's going to be the manager that the Genk need to really kind of get going again because they've just had, they haven't had the managers that play the style of football that the players should be playing. Uh, you've got Bongonda, Ito, Onowachu. Onowachu is incredible, isn't he? I mean, he is yeah. absolutely incredible. I've never seen a footballer like him, six foot seven. Yeah, he's a month. He's, we were saying this year you were kind of disappointed in him because he only got yeah. like 20 goals. It was just like, it was ridiculous. Like, you just can't win. Um, I wrote a scout report on him at the time for Total Football Analysis and he totally something goals. I was like, this guy, you've never heard of this guy. This guy's absolutely yeah. amazing. But, and in last he season, did. he was quite disappointed. Yeah, you're right. And it was, yeah. Little, but he still scored like a fair amount of goals. It was just mm-hmm. like, yeah. So they're like, if they keep those players, then definitely like they're a team to watch. And then Banker's old team, uh, Mechelen, uh, always defensively suspect. Um, but always attackingly great. New man's come in and he said, I'm going to sort like make a solid at the back. And if they can be solid at the back and continue what they're doing going forward, then I mean, they're definitely a team that they've got history in Europe. They're quite like a iconic team in that sense. Um, Scott on our podcast is a, has a soft spot for Mechelen as well. So I'm sure he'll be happy that I've mentioned that they're definitely a team to watch. But yeah, those teams, I mean, there's so many different ones and who knows, like, it's, we're kind of keeping an eye on all the players that are coming in and it's really interesting to see who turns up and like who's going to be the next kind of breakout player that next season will be going for 30 million to the Prem or La Liga or Liga. And the last question I want to ask you is the World Cup is coming up in November in Qatar and Belgium are already one of the favourites as they have been in all international tournaments the last couple of seasons although they were um, rather disappointing and probably all of them I think it's fair to say. Do you think this this is the year? No, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> um, I just don't think Martinez will change the defence enough. Mm-hmm. I think that's his kind of thing. If he brings in someone like Arthur Tiasa, I'd love to see him get game time in it. Walt Fies as well. Like these kind of players that he doesn't really bring into the international team. He just sticks to like out what, of it. What players from the, the Belgian Pro League do you think deserve to get called up to the national side? I think it's probably a great question to ask. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's difficult because obviously... The Belgian league isn't as good as these other leagues that these guys are playing in. Like, I'd, I'd stick Charles de Ketelaar in there just because I love watching Charles de Ketelaar play and I think he deserves kind of a chance to be on the bigger stage. Um, Dante Van had a, got a few kind of caps that didn't really get kind of break into that team. I don't know if he's quite at the level yet. Um, but, yeah, it's difficult. Uh, there's not many players you'd pull out of the team that they all have now. I think de Ketelaar, obviously Van Aken always gets in the team and he's kind of he'll get like the third group game if they've already qualified. That's kind of like his kind of role. Um, but yeah, it's difficult. I just can't really see many. Maybe Yair and like these kind of young players that they could just be kind of stuck on the bench and kind of come on and change the game and like light it up a bit because then they've got no fear, I guess. Um, whereas these other players, like you said, they've been dis- slightly disappointing in, in World Cups and Euros, even though Belgian fans don't necessarily think so. Um, they've been pretty happy with, the third place that they got a couple of years ago and stuff like that. So it's kind of us from the outside. We're looking at this team and we're like, this team's fantastic. Well, you but see that they're, they're number one ranked in, in the world, you know, going into tournaments yeah. and then they finish maybe third or fourth. And you think, well, yeah. I mean, last season, I think they got knocked out of quarterfinals in the Euros to Italy. 
Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, mean, yeah. It's, it's, that's quite underwhelming, like, for the players they have. Yeah, exactly. Like, I completely agree. I've always felt that like they should be getting to finals and doing stuff mm-hmm. like that. But it's just interesting, the different psyche in terms of kind of like um, what the people from that country actually think and what the rest of us actually think is yeah. just seems to be quite different. And apologies if this is putting you on the spot, but who replaces Martinez if he does go after the World Cup, if they fail, of course? I don't know. It's it's quite like a, a political one as well because you've got to take into account kind of like regions and stuff like yeah. that. Um, who would you like to see? Who would, yeah. I don't know. Someone like, like Mazu would have been mm-hmm. quite fun to see. I'd like to have seen him kind of... If Union had won the league and he'd kind of transitioned into that, that would have been quite a fun one to see him do that. Yeah. Um, but there's not many others. Maybe if Vincent Company does, does well in Belgium, uh, does well with Burnley and then comes in and kind of like does it in, in the international stage, that'd be quite fun. But yeah. I don't think Martinez is going anywhere. They quit, The FA love him. Um, not sure the fans do massively, but the FA do. So I think that's what really matters at the end of the day. Well, Ben, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you about all things, um, you know, Belgium, really. Um, where can people find you? Yes, you can find the podcast. It's Belgian Football Podcast. You can find that anywhere. Uh, I'm on Twitter as well, Ben Jack 94 I think it is. Um, but yeah, definitely check us out. We'll have, like Adam said, we're going to have a big pre-season preview coming up. Uh, we've had a couple of end-of-season reviews and stuff like that, a couple of award shows. So yeah, check us out there. And if you haven't listened to the Belgian Football Podcast, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Please do listen to it. As I said, you know, the previews coming up it is superb. Thank you again, Ben, for coming on. This has been the Total Football Analysis Podcast. I've been your host, Adam Scully. Thanks all for listening. See you next week.